Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Well, we probably need some comic relief, right? All the pressure that's been building the last few months is going to culminate this Tuesday. Um, If it's a landslide, we'll know one way or the other. If it's not, we probably won't know for two or three months. And so I thought I'd give you some comic relief this morning from the communist state of California. California Governor Newsom and the California Department of Public Health released new safety guidelines for all private gatherings amid the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. The new rules come with strict restrictions that aim to help reduce the risk of spreading infection. In quotes, gatherings are defined as social situations that bring together people from different households at the same time in a single space or place. When people from different, different households mixed, this increases the risk of transmission of COVID-19. All gatherings must include no more than three households. These are the rules for Thanksgiving in California. Including host and guest and must be held outdoors, lasting for two hours or less. I'm not even getting into turkey by that time. The longer the duration, now in quotes, the longer the duration of the gathering, the risk of transmission increases, the statement noted. Again in quotes, gatherings that occur outdoors are significantly safer than indoor gatherings. And by the way, we had, I think, 600 plus people here last night (laughs) celebrating. Praise God. And we were outdoors, had a blessed time. And I don't mock, I'm not ridiculing, don't take this, we're trying to lighten things up here a little bit. It is serious and people are dying, so we're not making light of this at all. But let's also, next week I'm going to have a little bookmark that I'm going to give to you that will help you remember where we're really at with this situation. Attendees may go inside to use restrooms. As, thank God. I got to go home now. Ay, ay, ay. As long as the restrooms are frequently sanitized, the statement added. Mask must stay on after eating and drinking. The new rules state those at a gathering may remove their face coverings briefly to eat or drink as long as they stay at least six feet away from everyone outside of their own household and put their face covering back on as soon as they are done with the activity. So you pull it down, you take a bite, that you're done with that activity, you put it back up. This is what they're suggesting in California. This is what the governor suggested. Got to have some comic relief, right? The latest guidelines add, face coverings can also be removed to meet urgent medical needs. (laughs) Praise God, right? (laughs) Now for me, just so you know, I have DNR and I don't wear a face mask. So if I go down, just have a celebration and... Leave the building. (laughs) Let me go home to be with Jesus. For example, to use as asthma inhaler, take medication, or if feeling lightheaded. 
The, the existing face covering rules set out by CDPH also apply, which state everyone must wear face coverings in high-risk situations, including in outdoor public spaces while maintaining a six-feet distance from those outside of your household is not feasible. Singing and shouting, strongly discouraged. I've never sang on Thanksgiving. Do you, what do you think? Happy Thanksgiving to you. I never, what, what do you sing on Thanksgiving? Shouting? Yes. Yes. Shout? Yes. More turkey! Singing, chanting, and shouting are strongly discouraged because they pose a very high risk of COVID-19 transmission, the statement noted. Singing, chanting, shouting, and physical exertion significantly increases the risk of COVID-19 transmission because these activities increase the release of respiratory droplets and fine aerosols into the air. Because of this, singing, chanting, and shouting are strongly discouraged. The statement said, those who participate in these activities should, now in quotes, <laughs> do so quietly. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Uh, at or below the volume of normal speaking voice. And wear a face covering while engaged in the activity, the statement said. <laughs> Those who sing, chant, or shout are also strongly encouraged to keep a physical distance of more than six feet to, or to further reduce the risk of spreading infection. Musicians are allowed at gatherings, but they must be one of the three households. <laughs> the playing of any wind instruments, those that are played by the mouth... How else would you play it? Such as a trumpet or clarinet is strongly discouraged, according to the statement. The space for the gathering must be large enough to allow guests to maintain a physical distance of at least six feet from those who are not in their households at all times. Seating must be provided at least six feet of distance in all directions, front to back and side to side between different households. The statement noted, as much as possible... All food and drinks should be served in disposable containers, while self-serve communal containers and other shared items should not be used at the gathering. Guys, get this? <laughs> so prepare your food the night before, put it in a, in a little container, and only eat out of that container the next day. A place for washing hands or hand sanitizer must be available for use at the gathering, and all attendees should wash their hands or use hand sanitizer frequency. Well, yeah, praise God. That's, that's smart. Acts 22. <laughs> We're having a party on Thanksgiving. <laughs> praise God. Uh, this past week, that was actually two weeks ago. I don't think I mentioned it, but um, I watched the PhDs, three PhDs, one from Oxford, one from Harvard, and one from... Stanford. Not that that means a whole lot, but they're, they did a really good job. I didn't listen to the whole thing. It was two hours long. But they stated scientifically, scientifically, herd immunity has to take place. If we lock down and then open up, it's going to come back. Lock down, open up. Lock down, open up. That's why Fauci is saying, well, it's going to be 22 until we get back to normal. No, it's going to be 23 or 24 if we don't knock this nonsense off. 99% survival rate. Um, we actually were at a wedding where several people got sick. Uh, two of them were elderly who were wearing masks. Now, I, I thought about this the other day. Again, I'm not bashing masks. Do what you got to do. 
But I, I thought about this. I said to Claudia the other day, you know, if I'm wearing a mask and somebody comes and coughs on me by accident and they have COVID, now I'm doing what for the next three or four or five hours with my mask? I'm sucking in all the COVID. Where if somebody coughs, I can turn away and then go back to breathing normal. These people that got sick were wearing masks all the time and they got sick. So just, I'm not bashing masks. If you're wearing a mask here this morning, praise God, that's your comfort level. That's not the issue. The issue is fear. There's an agenda of fear that's taking place in this society. Fear. And only one person has the right answer. Give me a break. You have the answer. These people ended up in the hospital. They were released within 24 hours. They were feeling great within 48 hours. They had double pneumonia. See, we have medication now to deal with this stuff. Also, who? 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 Who's who? World Health Organization came out and said there's more damage done now by isolation than what they anticipated, and they highly discourage isolation. Wow. Incredible. It's what the Bible says. Do not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is. Don't forsake. Now be wise. Wash your hands. Don't cough on people. If you're sick, we're getting in the flu season. If you're sick, stay home. Got diarrhea, stay home. <laughs> Americans don't panic, right? <laughs> Where's the toilet paper going again? We went to home, we went to Costco the other day. No toilet paper. Americans don't panic. I guess they're going to have the runs after the election. I mean, come on. What in the world's going on? Acts 22. Got to have some comic relief. God's designed our bodies, and nobody's going to miss your death. Nobody. You're going to be there. and God's going to show up right on time. Be wise. Be wise. But don't be fearful. That's not of God. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous towards God as you are today. Father, we thank you for these days we're living in. Jesus said these days were going to come. We're seeing this in our own household. The children will turn against parents and parents will turn against children. Because it's the name of Jesus that offends. It's the absolutes that are now offending a society that's just gone insane. Using the name science, but they don't even believe in science. For killing babies, approaching again another million this year in America alone. And we're worried about a virus killing babies in a mother's womb? Drunkenness, drugs, sex traffic, pornography? Father, wake up, America, for judgment is here. Fires, tornadoes, hurricanes. Your hand is being lifted off this country And you are just. You are right to do so. We deserve it. It rains on the just and the unjust. So, Father, as we open your word this morning, help us to wake up and not to live in fear, but to have a healthy fear of you and your righteous standings. 
that we might go to those around us, not in fear, unhealthy fear, but in a healthy fear of God. Where are you going to spend eternity? Do you know Jesus? Do you know God? Father, I pray for the gift of teaching, and as we have to live in this world, help us to have boldness in these days we're living in. That people would see Christians for what we're supposed to be. Not dumb, not irresponsible, but wise, loving, gracious, merciful, but also just. For we have to take a stand for righteousness' sake. The world's not going to do it. So even as we see Paul taking a stand for righteousness this morning, help us to learn from this situation in Acts 22 here that we'll go forth with boldness, with freshness, with an awareness of people's souls, not their political affiliation, but of people's souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're new or visiting, this morning we find ourselves listening to a man named Paul, who was Saul. We've been traveling with Paul for a few months now, and we've come to see a man who has a heart for God's sheep. Now, as we talk about these things, we should put our name there as well. You're all here this morning because you love Jesus, and you love the Word of God, and I know you love other people. So as we have those, those are, those are obvious. Those are why we're here. But we need that encouragement to go out and do something with those things. We have spe- seen him spending time in prayer and praise. We have heard him preach as well as teach. And we've taken note of his ability to be witness for the Lord as well as his ability to wait on the Lord. We've also seen a man who has an intense desire to see his own countrymen come to an understanding that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, Do you have that desire? I know you do. The anointed one spoken about in the scriptures. You see, over and over again, Paul would seek out his fellow Jews to share with them the wonderful truths found in the Old Testament prophecies. This is for you and I as well. More often than not, he also found himself being rejected, which will be you and I as well. In some cases, chased out of town by the Jews because of his stance on the scriptures. He would then turn to the Gentiles who received him with joy and thanksgiving. He had come to understand that they too were God's potential children. But his heart never grew cold towards his fellow Jews. We've got to guard our heart that doesn't grow cold towards our fellow Americans as well. He always had a desire to reach them with what we call today the good news of the gospel. Guys, that's what we're here for. Not the good news of the Republican Party or the Democratic Party the good news of Jesus. You see, this morning we find ourselves roughly 10 years since Paul's first missionary journey. Think about this. He's traveled thousands of miles by land as well as by sea, which at that time was a tremendous feat. We see that Paul once again is coming to that place of trying to reach out to his own countrymen in the most wonderful city known as Jerusalem. Let's look at Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, we encourage you to grab a Bible there's Bibles in front of you. Just look down. They're on the chairs below you. If you don't ha- can't reach it, tap someone next to you. They'll give it to you. Romans chapter 9, Paul speaking. How much love did Paul have towards his own people? I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Verse 2. In verse 3, he says this, For I could wish that myself were accursed. That word accursed there means anathema. 
It means cut off, excommunicated, destined for destruction. God send me to hell and save my nation. Now, that's his prayer. He knew that Jesus did that. And Jesus didn't go to hell. But Jesus died for his nation. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Back in Acts. See, no doubt Paul stands in front of his fellow Jews with what is his mind at this time was probably the reason. Remember, guys, he knew he was supposed to go and there were other Christians saying, don't go, don't go. But Paul knew he had to go. So maybe he's at this point standing, getting ready to give a defense. Maybe he thinks, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm here right now. But God had far greater plans than what Paul could have even imagined. And guys, this is so important for us the days we're living in. Don't be afraid to speak out for Christ. God has great plans for you. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. From this day forward, Paul is going to start on a new journey that the Lord had told Ananias about some 25 years prior to this day. Maybe somebody told you something, and I mentioned this last week, and I want to mention it again. Maybe somebody said something to you five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years, 20 years ago about you and your Christian faith, and they were encouraging you to do something, and you haven't done it yet. You've gotten sidetracked. The enemies beat you up. Condemnation, guilt, whatever it is, you've got to get back on that road and fulfill that calling that God's got on your life. If you don't, you've given in to the enemy and his resources. Acts 9.15 says this, But the Lord said to him, Go to Ananias, to go to Saul, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Now, as we leave that up, Paul's had the opportunity to share the gospel with his fellow Jews. So he fulfilled that and the children of Israel. He's also had the opportunity to share the gospel with the Gentiles. So he's fulfilled that. What's the one thing that he hasn't fulfilled yet in that verse? Share testimony to kings. To kings. He's done the Jew, he's done the Gentile, but he hasn't done the king. You see, now over the next few years, he's going to have the opportunity to share the gospel with various kings and possibly even Caesar Nero himself, who at this point at that time in his late teens, Caesar Nero, uh, he took his own life when he was 30. It is amazing what God will do with a man or woman who is willing to lay down his or her life for the sake of the gospel. Are you ready to do that? Are you willing to do that? As we look at verse 1 and 2 here, we see Paul, he speaks in Hebrew to his fellow Jews, and when they heard that he spoke to them in Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. They were showing him respect, even though they were in a riot, and most of them didn't even know why they came together, but they now listened. And in verse 3, Paul starts to give his back story he came from a very influential family he was sent to jerusalem to study at the feet of gamaliel now this is not something that anybody just walks up and says hey i want to be your disciple that didn't happen and it still doesn't happen to this day gamaliel was one of the most respected rabbis in all of jewish history to this very day gamaliel is one of the most respected rabbis even to this day Paul learned everything about the law perfectly and was very zealous about God's ways or what he thought were God's ways. 
He even makes mention that he was just as zealous for the law as those who were standing before him. As we read on in verse 4, he starts to give his testimony. And this is what we're going to touch on at the very end, so pay attention. I persecuted this way, and what is the way? The church, believers, Christians, which is coming upon America, coming upon our society. I have persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Not just men, but men and women. This is Saul of Tarsus. As also the high priest bears me witness, and all the council of the elders, so that would be the Sanhedrin, from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. So here's a religious man that thinks he's doing God's will. Very dangerous to be religious. It's about a relationship. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship, you're just being religious, you are in very dangerous territory. You need a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not about religion. You're reading religion right here. And now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And it's in red, Jesus speaking. So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Notice there, guys, that's, this is very subtle, but notice who's being persecuted. Saul's going to persecute Christians. But what does Jesus say? He takes it personal. You're persecuted as a Christian? Don't take it personal. Turn it over to God. Because he's the one taking the persecution. Yes, we are momentarily, but Jesus, it's all about Jesus. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear a voice of him who spoke to me. Now, if you go back to Acts 9, which we won't, but you can do your study on your own if you want, there seems like there's a contradiction because there he makes mention that those who were with him heard a voice, but here he says that they didn't hear the voice. To me, it's quite easy to explain because unbelievers will say, aha, there's a contradiction. In Acts 9, 17, they heard the voice of the Lord, but here in our text this morning, they didn't hear the voice of the Lord. For us today, a practical illustration would be to hear someone in Spanish yet not understand them. I hear them, yet I don't understand them. And this just happened the other day in our house. Claudia was in one part of the house and I was in the other part of the house. She was talking to me, so I didn't hear her. Is that a true statement? Well, you weren't there, so you wouldn't know. I heard her. I just didn't understand her. I couldn't make out what she was saying. So that's, it's that simple. So as you read your Bible, don't get caught up in, oh, contradictions, because there's no contradictions. Just use a little bit of common sense logic, and you'll figure it out. You see, in actuality, you heard them. You just didn't understand what they were saying. And this is exactly what Paul is saying in this particular testimony. Verse 10 So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, arise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things that are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came to Damascus. Now Paul's going to make a point of mentioning that Ananias was a devout Jew. Who is Paul teaching right now on the Temple Mount? He's teaching to devout Jews. 
not to Gentiles, to devout Jews. He's trying to draw and hold the attention of his audience, the fellow Jews, in verse 12. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me and stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, I looked up at him. And Ananias said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice from his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. This may have reminded these devout Hebrew Jews of those who were baptizing people. Who was that person? It was John the Baptist. Now, why would Paul who was a Pharisee, actually Saul at that time, same man if you're new to the word of God, Saul is Paul, get baptized. He wouldn't. Matter of fact, the religious leaders of that day rejected John the Baptist, which would have included Saul, Paul here. But now that Paul has seen the risen Lord, what John had preached about made sense to him and he desired to be baptized in water. Again, remember that it's been just a few months, just a few months ago, that Paul wrote the book of Romans from Corinth. Paul wrote the book of Romans just a few months to this occasion, a few months earlier, and he wrote that wonderful chapter 6 about being baptized in water. And that's why I mentioned to you, maybe you were baptized as a younger person and you really didn't understand it. There's a spiritual principle that you need to understand. And if you don't understand it, we have pamphlets, a short little pamphlet in the lobby, get it understand it, and apply it. It's not just an outward testimony. There's a spiritual principle, Romans chapter 6, that you and I need to take a hold of and implement into our lives. Verse 17. Now what happened when I returned to Jerusalem was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him saying to me, Jesus, make haste. And get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed on you. Get a little more insight into his life. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen, or Stephen, was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then Jesus said to me, Depart, for I will send you far away from here to the Gentiles. Mm. Paul's thinking, this is it. This is why God sent me back to Jerusalem. This is why I'm here. Well, look at what happened. And they listened to him until this word. And when they raised, and then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. Then as they cried out and tore off their clothes and threw dust into the air, you see the word Gentile threw the crowd back into the original frenzy that they were in. Away with him, away with him. They just wanted to kill Paul because he mentioned the Gentiles, which they hated. This is what we have to guard our hearts against. Hate. Because our society is trying to stir up hate. 
Republicans against Democrats. And guys, it's not going to go away. Whoever wins this election, it is not going to go away. It's just going to become more intense. And so you and I, as believers, this is very applicable, very practical. We have to guard our own hearts that we don't start hating somebody because they're on the opposite side or opposing side. No, we need to remember we're ambassadors for Christ, but this is key. The Jews, religious Jews to this day, and I've been in Israel, the religious Jews to this day hate Gentiles. If you're a Jew in here this morning and you have Jewish blood in you, you're acceptable. If you're not a Jew, you are unacceptable. According to their teachings, you are logs, you're a fuel for hell. You keep the fire of hell stoked when you die. Not bashing Judaism, that's just reality. So we have to guard our own hearts because we see what religion does here. Away with him, kill him, he's not fit to live. That's religious speaking. Relationship is, God, save them. They don't know why they're rioting. They don't know why they're burning down towns. Guys, we got to be ready for this. In the next two weeks, they, they've already stated, and they found it online. This is not conspiracy theory. If Trump wins, they've already said, we're going to burn America down. They have made that commitment. So should we hate them? Should we get out our guns and go out and shoot them? No. Nothing wrong with defending ourselves. Not, I'm not saying that. But we as believers are not called to go out and hunt people down because they don't agree with us. That's not scriptural. Not scriptural. Hate's in our hearts, and we have to repent. The commander ordered Paul to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging. Mm. This is very intense. Scourging. Jesus was scourged for us. Scourging would be what they had is they, they would have a stick maybe 12, 18 inches long. They would have strips of leather, maybe 18 to 24 inches long. And at the end of the leather, they would embed, embed steel balls and broken glass. That was their whip. And what they would do is they would take a person, they would have a pole, and they've actually unearthed a pillar in Jerusalem, it, you can, it's on display, a replica, the original's in a museum, but they have a pillar with two uh, hoops that they would put the leather through. They would wrap your arm, each arm with a piece of leather, and they would stretch you out and get you off your heels so that you couldn't move. Now your whole midsection is exposed. Now a person that was going to be scourged knew what was coming. So what they would typically do is they would come and they would lay the whip on your back. Just tap you. Because you knew what was coming. So if you were a criminal and you didn't want to get beat, and sometimes they would beat you to death because they didn't care, a person would start to confess the crime. If they didn't confess the crime, they would then get whipped. And the whip would go across and they would snap it back to try to pull flesh off the person's body. The balls and the glass going in and pulling out. If you didn't confess, they would whip you harder. If you didn't confess, they would whip you harder until you did confess. So you got to get this mental picture of Jesus. We paint him you know, with a few scratches here and there. Pilate said, behold the man. He was unrecognizable. This is your king. This is your Jesus. 
Jesus, if you read the scriptures, guys, he couldn't even carry his cross. He was so weak. He could not carry his cross. He was so weak. He lost so much blood, he could not carry his own cross. So Paul knew what was going to take place here. But what did Paul have to confess? What crime? Preaching Jesus, that God loves you and Jesus could save you? Guys, this is coming to America, and it is America. And I had a talk with some people this recent week, and they said, oh, Christians are being persecuted in America. Really? Well, we're not being martyred. We're not being killed. But people are losing their jobs, their careers, their lifestyles because of saying Jesus is God. I love Jesus, and Jesus loves homosexuals, and Jesus loves trans people, and Jesus loves adulterers, and Jesus loves fornicators. Oh, you can't say that? You're fired. So scourging here was very serious, so that he might know, the commander might know why they shouted so against him. Verse 25. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, so now Paul's going to pull out his citizen card. And this is very, very important. Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? Now as we read this, to scourge a Roman citizen was a capital offense without a trial. And it was punishable by death. So the commander here could actually be called into account and he could receive the death penalty by scourging a Roman citizen without a proper trial. That's why as we read on, then when the centurion heard that, he went out and told the commander saying, remember the centurion oversees a hundred soldiers and the the commander oversees a thousand soldiers? Then the commander came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman? Paul said, yes. The commander answered, with a large sum, I obtained this citizenship. And Paul said, but I was born a citizen. Then immediately, those who were about to examine him withdrew from him. And the commander was also afraid after he found out that he was a Roman and because, just, and notice this, just because, and because he had bound him, even binding a Roman citizen without a proper trial was a capital offense and you could be executed for doing such a thing. Pretty serious. The next day, because he wanted to know for certain why he was accused by the Jews, He released him from his bonds and commanded the chief priest and all their council, the Sanhedrin, and brought Paul down and set him before them, which we'll get into next week. So, what have we seen here today as the music team comes up? What have we seen here today, guys? Don't check out. This is the whole point of the study. So for all of us, including myself, We see a man who had a testimony and he delivered that testimony to those who were present. That's that's what took place. That's what we just read over the last 35 minutes. You see, Paul is going to continue on with that same practice over and over again. And I know I've mentioned this before. I've mentioned it many, many times and I'm going to keep mentioning it. Because guys, in these weeks and months and years ahead, this is going to be the most important time of your testimony in your whole life. People need to know why are you a Christian? The whole culture is saying, 
certain things are acceptable. Why do you say you're right and we're all wrong? Why? How could you be so arrogant? This, this is one of the most important aspects of our Christian walk, though, is being able to share your testimony with those who might ask you the hope of eternal life. And so I have these two questions. Do you know your testimony? Do you know it? Have you practiced sharing your testimony? Have you practiced it? Two minutes or less. Two minutes or less. Five seconds of darkness, 115 seconds of light. Because you might only have two minutes. Do you have it down? We don't need to tell the world about darkness. The world knows darkness. The world needs light. They need to know about the light. But I have another question. Have you allowed God to build your testimony? Have you allowed God to build your testimony? See, Paul could have ditched early on. But if you want to read part of Paul's testimony, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11 sometime this week. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And he lists everything that he went through for Jesus. Most of us, myself included, probably would have bailed very early on. But Paul showed us what it means to be stubborn for Christ. To not give up and allow God to build your testimony. Because you see, unfortunately in America, Christianity is just really soft, really comfortable. And if something happens to us that makes us uncomfortable, we question, God, where are you? God, why would you allow this to happen to me? I'm an American, don't you know? Why would this trial come into my life? We need to understand that God actually is building our testimony, guys. In this day, through COVID, through mask or no mask, Republican, Democrat, black, white, male, female, God is building our testimony in order to share that testimony with somebody else. You see, how has God transformed your life to love the unlovable? Because you are loved by him. Are you lovable? Are you that lovable? Don't raise your hand if you are, because we'll tell you otherwise. But oftentimes we think, well, who wouldn't want to love me? You really don't want to know that question, answer that question. Because we all have issues, right? We all have issues. But God loves us still. So guys, let's go out and make sure that people know that God loves them. Again, somebody asked me that this past week. Does God really love me? And they were totally sincere, guys. They were totally serious. They looked at me and said, does God really love me? I mean, what a privilege I had to look them in the eye and say, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. And I quoted John 3.16 to them. Guys, memorize scripture. You're going to have opportunity. Go at them with scripture. For God so loved the world. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You've been coming to church because your parents are making you come. You're going to hell. You know right from wrong. You're a stinking little sinner in need of a Savior. Get over it. You don't accept Jesus? Don't blame your parents or Calvary Chapel. Blame yourself. God doesn't send anybody to hell. If you're an older person and you think that you've gone to church and that makes you fine, mm-mm. without Jesus, you're not fine. Hell awaits you. That's what Jesus said. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. Father, we thank you and praise you that you made it easy.
that we accept your son by faith through grace. Father, we thank you for this freedom that we have. Again, as I prayed earlier, you didn't make us robots. You gave us free will. But with that free will comes accountability. You will hold us accountable to what we do with our lives. We just read it in communion. You you will hold us accountable. You're a loving God. You're a merciful God. But you are a just God. So Lord, help us to seek you and serve you to the best of our abilities. Mask, no mask, Republican, Democrat, male, female, black, white, whatever the case may be, Father. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit that will serve you this week. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? If you don't know Jesus, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray for you for anything. Come up for prayer for anything. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.